Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. Here we go. Well, we're still we're continuing to look at the reality of Jesus being the Prince of Peace and what that means and the truth of what we have access to because Jesus created through his death on the cross uh, reconciliation with God, peace with God. And if we have peace with God, it means we can have the peace of God. And the peace of God yields so much fruit in our lives if we allow it to, right? So was God with you this week? Yes. Eight of you. All right. Was he with you? Yes. Okay. We must remind ourselves always that God is with us. And if God is always with us, that means no matter what we face, how difficult it is, God's not surprised by it, and God can work in it and through it. Am I right? Does it mean it's enjoyable? No, that's not a trick question. No. Was the cross enjoyable? No. But it produced something, did it not? And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, if we go back, we're going to look at Luke 2 8. We're going to look at the, the shepherd account again. And I realized something in this account that um, just really blew me away in terms of how God's principles are found throughout Scripture. Like, it's not, if you hear something somewhere, you read something somewhere in Scripture, you're bound to find it somewhere else. You know, God never contradicts himself, but if anything, he beats us over the head with his principles. Right, because we're knuckleheads and we need to get beat. Why did I just say that? <laughs> so anyway, so verse eight says this: Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Okay, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid, for I behold, I bring you tidings of what." Let's say that louder, everybody. Okay, so hold on to that. Tidings is news. We don't really say that these days. But it's great news. Good, good news. Of great joy, which will be, notice that, will be to all people. So I don't know how many times we've heard this story, read this story, read this account. And here we have the angel of the Lord declaring the birth of Jesus. But I love what he says. He goes, I'm bringing you good news. And this news is of great joy, which will be for all people. And right here, what we're going to see, it's a kingdom principle because we're going to see that Jesus was a savior, was he not? He was a savior. But I'm going to hold real quick because I want to read the rest of this. Just remember, okay? He was a savior, and in that is the great joy and the good news. 
For there is born to you this day in the city of David a what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Quite the celebration, right? Now, here's something that I realized as I was reading this. Their joy, the good news, the great joy, was future-oriented. Jesus, as an infant, had not saved the world yet. Am I right? So as heaven was declaring the praises of God and saying, A Savior is born. Glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill toward men. I bring you great news, good news of great joy, which will be for all men. They were rejoicing. They were rejoicing in the truth and in the knowledge that this little baby, this infant, had to be crucified for the good news to take place. They were full aware of why Jesus was born. For Jesus to be the Savior, he had to become a man, walk as a man, fully God, sinless, ultimately to be crucified so that the peace of God could be accessed by all men. They are demonstrating that there was great joy in the knowledge of the joy that lay on the other side of the cross. Let's put it in perspective. Any of you who have had a child, a baby, if you knew that this baby was destined to be executed, brutally murdered on the cross, how much rejoicing. You know, you have to look at the reality of, in our terms, if we knew the struggle and the difficulty of this life and ultimately how it would end, There may be more sorrow than joy, but heaven comes down, angels come down, fill this field, and are declaring the goodness of God, the glory of God, declaring the good news for all men because of the Savior that was born and what he would ultimately accomplish. There was joy in the knowledge of the trial, but what it would produce. Isn't that crazy? Because we have to remember, the angels, heaven, understood what this baby represented. They called him a savior, and they understood what it took to save mankind, and that was a sacrifice. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Jesus would become the perfect, spotless lamb of God. So, how is this a biblical principle? Well, okay. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto, where do we get our motivation from? Okay, okay, so they're using Jesus' life. Here on earth, remember we talked about that during communion, that he walked in the way to give an example 
of who we can become because we have the Holy Spirit in us. We can't become God, but we can be transformed into the likeness of Christ in terms of how we see, how we operate, because we have the wisdom of God in us, right? So looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the what? The what? That was set where? He endured the cross despising the shame, and now has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking, looking unto Jesus means to consider attentively, meaning, all right, Lord, I'm looking to you. For what? Because I'm running this race, I'm enduring, I'm trying to walk, I'm trying to grow, but there's some real things that I'm dealing with, and my tendency is to want to kind of jump ship, to tap out, to go back to my old ways, whatever it is. But Lord, I'm having a hard time enduring. I'm having a hard time enduring. And he's like, well, look to Jesus. What did Jesus demonstrate? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And that word endure means this, to stay under. He remained. He persevered. He abided. He took it on patiently. He, Jesus could have at any moment said, forget this, this hurts too much, I'm, I'm out. He endured the cross, why? Because he knew the joy on the other side. And we are to take our marching orders from that. Heaven declared this principle when they announced his birth. They knew for the joy that was set before Jesus, the joy that would be for all of us to partake in, that the cross was necessary and they were still rejoicing. They were celebrating, right? See, God sees our circumstances and our difficulties so much differently because they can produce the purposes and the will of God if we allow them to. And the purposes and the will of God are something to rejoice in and to take joy in. And do you know that God has specific plans and purposes for you? And that when you go through something, no matter how hard it is, he is doing something in you. He's doing something now for you and ultimately eternally. Because our lives are but a blip on the screen of eternity. So, let's look at this. John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in me. You abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And he says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that, you may, and that your joy may be full. We're using the word joy a lot. See, Jesus isn't talking about like, it's not like a joy, happiness and excitement because of the pleasure and the ease of life. He's talking about a joy, first of all, that he experienced because he was submitted to the will of God. And in that, the love of God, the love of the Father, he and the Father were one, right? Meaning no matter what happened, Jesus knew the Father and him were one. They were, he was with the Father. He's like, so if you abide like I abided, my joy, my love will be with you. And what a reassurance it is to know that whatever you're going through, God is with you, Right? So he's like, this is the joy he's talking about. Joy knowing that you've been reconciled to God. Joy knowing that through the Holy Spirit, because of your belief in Jesus Christ, the Lord God is with you no matter what. And that he loves you because he goes, my love will abide in you, right? So no matter what 
circumstances you're going through, the love of God will always be declared to you. See, and that's, that's a joy that says, this is hard, this is difficult, but it's not for nothing because God loves me and he is with me. And I may not understand what is happening right now. I might not get it. I might be confused. But if I choose to focus on the truth that God is with me, then the promise is it's not for nothing. That life can come from this, even in the worst of circumstances. Life for me and even life for others. Because Jesus' obedience and suffering was life for mankind. (laughs) So, the peace of God is made possible by the Holy Spirit, okay? It's a real thing. It's It's a very real thing. The Holy Spirit is a very real thing. And supernaturally, meaning he can give us understanding beyond our own understanding. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, right? With the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God in us, it can change the way we see difficulty. Because heaven, at the birth of Jesus, was demonstrating how they view difficulty. They were rejoicing. Right? Right? You see, we have the ability, if we take the time and choose where our focus is, to allow the Holy Spirit to truly help us see differently and to see that on the other side of this, there's something. Because Jesus, imagine this is the cross, the good news that we all share in and the joy that he was very much aware of that he would make possible because of his sacrifice was only possible by walking through this. There was no other way. He couldn't bypass this. He had to go through the cross. It was God's plan for redemption. And sometimes we have to understand that the difficulty we are all of a sudden facing, when we try to bypass it, and sometimes we try to pray it away, and sometimes he does take it away, but sometimes he does not take it away, right? We have to know that if I am in it and God is not taking it away, then this is something we're going to see here that God is utilizing for good, even if the enemy meant it for destruction, right? So the joy comes from, not from this, but from what God promises to accomplish. What God promises in terms of he is with me, he is with me, he is with me, no matter what I have to endure and go through, he is with me, he is with me, and this is not for nothing. It is producing something. My creator sees what I lack and what I need. And he loves me enough to allow this. But sometimes, hey, we bring it on ourselves. Sometimes we don't, right? But even in that, he can still use it. James 1, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into an inheritance, When you get a promotion, when you find love. No, count it all joy. Consider it joy, meaning you actually have to reframe something in your mind. It's like, no, no, hey, my brethren, count it, consider it joy when you fall into various difficulties. 
Why? Well, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Okay. So, you all, only the knowledge of God with you, only the knowledge of God working all things together for good can give you the ability to stay patient under suffering and difficulty. Because a lot of times, I don't know about you, when I find myself facing something and in something, right? I want to get out of that as quickly as possible, right? I want to end the suffering. I want to end the pain. I want to end the, all this, uh, the, the, the uncomfortable nature of this I just want to get out of, right? But if I know and understand that God promises that he is with me and that he is doing a new work in me and that he uses all things. I have to be like, God, Lord, this is hard. This is hard. This is hard. This is hard. Even Jesus in the garden prayed, if there's any other way to accomplish, please take this cup away. But not my will, but your will. You see, there's an acknowledgement. It's like, all right, Lord, take this away. But if not, I'm choosing to focus on you and your will and that you know what's best and you know what you're doing. You see the bigger picture. You see only that type of, and he's like, consider it joy. Why? Because you know God's at work. You know he's doing something. And so joy and peace leads to patience. If you don't have joy and peace, you're not going to be very patient. If you're full of frustration and fear and anxiety and frustration, I mean, that doesn't really yield a lot of patience. Right? And so, it's this idea of joy. Consider it all joy. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But then he says, but now let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Wow. Do you see how this is all working together? Let the cross have its perfect work. Jesus patiently endured the cross. He stayed on the cross because it was producing something that we can't even imagine. And that is salvation for mankind. Reconciliation for the world. And with us, sometimes we just, no matter how hard it is, we need to let patience have its work. Because patience allows the work. Do you see what that's saying? Patience allows the work. So when we're in the middle of something, we can even either allow the work or not allow the work. I mean, I came up with this visual first service, but imagine like a trial sometimes it's like it's scaffolding all around you. Like you're getting worked on. And being patient just allows you to sit there and just like in the scaffolding and it's like God's working and doing something. You're like, I just want to kind of knock the scaffolding over with all the workers on it and just move. But no, the mindset is like, you know, there's a joy going, Lord, this is hard. This is difficult. I don't understand it. But I know you're doing a work in me. I know you're accomplishing a great purpose in me and ultimately for others. Because I am called, because I have a purpose. You're seeing where I'm lacking and you're helping me grow. You do not want me to be lacking. He wants us to be equipped to do the work that he has placed within us and before us, right? Do you all know you have been called with a purpose? 
That's not just your occupation. A purpose to live for Christ. A purpose that will declare the goodness of God. A purpose that will reflect Jesus to those who do not have Jesus. And all of us are under construction. And a lot of times he uses difficulty to accomplish that. He used the cross to accomplish the greatest gift to mankind, right? And there was joy in heaven over the birth of Jesus. And what he would endure. Because of what was on the other side. On the other side, I'm telling you, we, we can't, we don't know what it is. And we may not know. We just know it's to complete us. It's to prepare us for heaven. <laughs> but to prepare us for purpose. And ultimately, it will affect others. But it's not joyful in the moment, right? Let's be honest. Who's ever, okay, no, you know. Who can look back and you, the hard time you went through in your life, you could say, God did an amazing work through that hard time. I can raise my hand. Now, who of you during that time were like, yay! Good for you. I want to stay here forever. Who wanted to, in case of emergency, break glass and get out of there? I did. You see, but hindsight, right? You see it, don't you? You see the wisdom. You see, God already saw that. And as hard as it was these times in my life that I can go back to and say, that was as miserable, it was hard, it was dark, so much uncertainty. I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't. Because of what it produced in me. And the trick is gaining that mindset while you're still in it. Counting it pure joy. Counting it joy. Because God is doing a work. Now, watch what James says. Because this is what's most difficult when things are really difficult for us. If any of you lacks wisdom, what's it say? Let him ask God. If you want to know what's going on, if you want a godly view of your situation, ask. Ask. Let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But what does this say? But let him ask in what? Do you know why? It's going to take faith to receive the answer. Because God is working in ways that we don't work. So it's going to take faith to really hold on to what he reveals to you. And he may not give you specifics, but he will say, I'm with you. I know what I'm doing. Stay patient. I don't want to be patient. I want answers. I want this fixed. I want out now. That's not faith. Faith says, okay. Okay. It takes faith to hold on. Now, he goes this. For he who, with no doubting, asking faith, but then with no doubting. Because we can ask, right? But then it's like, man, I don't like that. Doesn't seem right. I'll ask again. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. 
For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord because he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. What's meaning, like we're seeking God, but we're wanting our way. We're seeking God, but wanting our way, right? We're double-minded. Actually, it's like we're seeking God so we can get our way. Seeking God so we can get our way. (laughs) He's like, that's not what I'm after. It's like, no, seek God's way. Seek his will. Seek his understanding. Because it changes how you act through it and how you treat others through it. Easier said than not. But the reality is God sees it very differently. And he knows it's hard. Jesus was acquainted with suffering, right? He was despised, beaten, bruised, mocked, rejected. He's very much familiar with suffering. But yet for the joy that was set before him, he endured it. Because God was accomplishing something. Look at Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our what? I don't know about you. In trials and difficulties, that's when I feel the weakest. When things are going great, I don't feel so weak. It's when those things are challenged, when my comfort is challenged, which my idea of security is challenged. Trials have a way of doing that, right? For we do not even know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Isn't that awesome? Knowing that the Spirit knows. The Spirit is praying on your behalf. Sometimes you just got to sit there and moan and groan. And the Spirit knows, right? With groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. The Spirit, he makes intercession for the saints according to what? You see, the Spirit will ultimately land you on the will of God. And it may not be clear, but the will of God always is to continue to complete you and to fill you and to point you in the way of purpose to glorify his name. He does not allow trials to derail us, to become bitter and angry, but to become more like him. And it says this. Now read this in context. I encourage you all to go read all of Romans 8 when you go home or sometime this week so you understand the full context of this. But Paul is literally saying all of the world is groaning since the fall of man. There's suffering, there's difficulty. But in that, there's hope. And he goes, now, and we know, and we know because God is with us that all things, right, Work together for what? To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his what? These are important words to hang on to. What you're going through is not for nothing. It's for good. It's for his purpose. And when we live for his purpose, that's when we are the most fulfilled. When we are not living for his purpose, that's when we're trying to find fulfillment in all these other things, right? Right? 
And sometimes those things are taken away and sometimes those things stop filling us and we want more of those things and more of those things. Sometimes people leave us and reject us and relationships that mean so much to us are taken or reject. We don't know. But you see, without the sense that I am here for God's purpose, trials can literally destroy you. Or you can count it joy knowing God is preparing me and equipping me and this is hard, but he's completing me. That's good news. And he says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. This is us to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he justified. And whom he justified, right, these he also glorified. And all of us share the same future, that we will eventually live for eternity in our glorified bodies, our perfect nature. But as we are here, we're becoming, we're being conformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus in terms of how he walked. And there's joy in that because you all, the more we conform into his image, the more full we are. Don't let the world fool you. You could be full of the world, but totally empty, right? But God sees it differently. He understands what it takes for his creation to sense fullness. And that is more of him. That's joy. And I think you've heard it all before. Some of you may be in a really good stage right now. That's awesome. So my word to you all, help those who may be going through a difficult time, right? Because we are not meant to walk through these trials alone. Sometimes we need others to speak truth into our lives, to help us see the bigger picture. We don't need people to jump on the complaining wagon with us and the poor me wagon. and this, We need others to identify and say, yes, I get what you're going through. It's hard, but listen, here's the truth. You're not alone. God is doing the work. And that's not Russ saying it. It's the word of God saying it. And some of you might be going through a very difficult time now. Let people know. Let people know that can help you. Right? Let people know that will kind of give you a different message. (laughs) Not one that just keeps digging your hole for you. You know, like brings their own shovel. (laughs) Because you all, this is what is made possible because of Jesus. This is what made, made possible because of peace with God. We could look at circumstances differently and know that God is with me through it. And he is making me better according to his version of better. It's hard to hold on to, right? It can be. Yes, I'll just say it. It is. Especially when the voice of the world is so loud, right? But see, Jesus says he is with us always. That it was good for him to leave so that he could send the Holy Spirit, the comforter, Who likes comfort? (laughs) Right. Now, let's read Luke 2.10 again. 
Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news, good tidings of what? For which will be to all people. And you know, now we're living in that reality. We are living in that joy, the joy of God with us. This is what they were praising God for, for the time when people could be justified and reconciled with God and have a new hope and a new life, right? That there's nothing the enemy can bring against you. And what the enemy meant for destruction, man, the Lord means for life and good, right? Some of you just need to hear that. This is why Christmas is awesome. A Savior was born. A Savior was born, meaning as soon as Jesus was born, his mission began. And his mission would end on the cross. And three days later, man, completed, right? And he endured for the joy set before him. And some of you all just needed to hear that today. God is doing a work. There's good on the other side. You may be saying, how in the world can anything good come from this? I don't know. God does. And he's not a liar. He is not a liar. Amen? Amen. Well, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you for your, your faithfulness, Jesus. Lord, I, again, I, as your word went out, I would pray for each of us, Lord, no matter where we are, whether we're struggling or not struggling, that the reality of you with us would change us, Lord, that we could even begin to pray differently, Lord, that we can approach this week differently. But Lord, I know, I know, I know that your greatest desire is for us to trust enough to allow you in and to lean on you, to think differently, to allow space, to stop running around like chickens with their head cut off, but to settle, to settle and to settle so that we can hear it's going to be okay. Because, Lord, you see the entire spectrum. You see the bigger picture. And you have not left us alone. But we can experience your peace. And Lord, I, I pray for those that are really dealing with some difficulty this season where, you know, Christmas is supposed to be this time of joy and happiness, but yet there's emptiness and sorrow and difficulty and mourning and grief and fear. It's anything but joyful. Lord, I would pray, I would pr- I pray, Lord, on their behalf that your spirit within them would testify to your goodness, to your presence to your faithfulness. Lord, that that would sustain them. That there would be a depth of understanding and wisdom and knowledge in you that transcends their understanding, Lord, and it blankens them with peace. Lord, I pray for comfort for those individuals. They're desperately trying to find comfort and they can't, Lord, and I just pray that it is a spiritual comfort through the Holy Spirit that envelops their heart and guards their mind. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you were born 
with the knowledge of your death and your sacrifice. But you are obedient so that we could have the hope of you with us. We love you, Father. We praise you, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.